sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Potentially no game again for them on Sunday. Another uh, positive test in terms of COVID. So uh, here we are with that. Braves go up 2-0 in the NLCS. Marlins are on the brink. They'll play at 2 o'clock Eastern today. So I'll be locked in for a few hours there. The Oakland A's back against the wall. Second straight series. Come back and end up beating the Astros thanks to Liam Hendricks and company. That bullpen for Oakland just literally kept them in the game. Kept them in the game. Got a big hit. And maybe that's what they need to have their backs against the wall. I don't know. But Oakland definitely is at least back in the series. And with Houston not really knowing who they're going to pitch today, we'll see what happens. The Tampa Bay Rays keep hitting. They rolled over the Yankees yesterday. Randy Rosarina, another home run for this guy. We'll talk about him in a few minutes. Uh, Cody Bellinger robbed Fernando Tatis. The Padres would have won if if Bellinger didn't rob the home run yesterday. Mm -hmm. And there were some issues in the night, too. But congratulations to uh, to Bellinger, who playing center field yesterday, went over the wall and and stole a home run. Uh, unfortunately, because of hurricane, I believe it is Delta. There's new, they're they're out of names, yes. so they're going A B C D. Yeah, yeah. And so LSU Missouri's moved to Missouri. Uh, LSU was 21 point favorites, and they I think they adjusted that line to like 14 and a half, 15. And uh, the GM of the Houston Tech- Texans is Jack Easterby, so he has got to get things figured out uh, kind of quickly. Although I think Brian Gain is going to be the one overseeing and, and doing pretty much everything with the Houston, Texas moving forward. So uh, anywhere you want to go with it, Joe, I guess that's where we can start today. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of places to go. I'm going to kind of start with the Houston Astros who are now up against it a little bit. We kind of talked yesterday and I made the comment and I stand by it that there was a little bit of urgency for the Houston Astros to win this game and move on. And now, now who is going to pitch the next game? Now, what are you going to do? This was important for them to kind of take care of business and move on and kind of get a little bit of a buffer time here between now and whoever they could play next, potentially in a series. So the longer the series go, the more it hurts the Astros. And I don't know if Major League Baseball really wants a Rays versus A's series, but could you imagine if that is the ALCS when all is said and done that you're not going to get you know, the Houston Astros, you are not going to get the New York Yankees. And uh, look, you know, those are two teams that I think everybody thought was one of those going to be a uh, foregone conclusion. You know, some of the bigger market teams in the National League, the, the Cardinals, the Cubs, teams like that, big market teams, you know, not really there. Not really the big baseball names that we always think of. The Rays and A's would be a fascinating series to watch. And I'll tell you what, too. Don't count those Rays out here. I mean, look, they're looking good. A Rosarena, we talked about him yesterday on the show. We're going to talk about him more today. The guy just does not stop. He's been incredible. Uh, Stanton continues to hit home runs, but hey, we talked about yesterday Tanaka not being able to get out of a fifth inning of a game. He even get to the fifth inning of this one. So, I mean, the Yankees are kind of in a bad spot too. It's a fascinating postseason right now, and uh, the Dodgers. To me, still look like the favorites going into the season. They look like the favorites during the season. And they look like the favorites so far in the postseason. 
Yeah, it, it maybe it plays out that way. Maybe the Dodgers do take on the Rays in in the World Series. It's certainly possible that that could happen. Uh, the Braves, I've I've watched them very closely, clearly the last couple of days. And and again, the Marlins were not supposed to win this series, but Atlanta has mm-hmm. really come on with their pitching over the last couple of days too. And their bullpen, to me, is the best that I've seen in the National League, better than mm-hmm. anybody else. So maybe Atlanta has a shot if they and they're gonna. I mean, eventually, I would assume they'll beat the Marlins, whether it's today or in the next few days. Uh, it's probably a foregone conclusion when you're up to O. Uh, but we'll see what happens. And coming up next, we'll talk about the fantasy standouts from some of those games in the American League Division Series and National League Division Series. Coming up a little bit later in the show as well, we have a new winner of a million dollars in FanDuel last week, and the guy who won has a great story. He's somebody that has not won a lot on FanDuel and has had his life changed. Just a matter of days. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We have more afternoon baseball in the National League Division Series coming up at 2 o'clock Eastern. Miami will take on Atlanta in Game 3. Miami will throw Sixto Sanchez on the mound today against Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves, and certainly we'll keep an eye on that for you. When we return tomorrow, we'll see what ends up happening. But for now, let's dive into what happened last night in baseball and in fantasy baseball. Those of you who are playing in DFS, make sure you do it over on FanDuel. Let's take a look at the American League Division Series fantasy standouts. We'll start off with the biggest hit that was delivered last night. That was by Chad Pinder of the Oakland A's to give them a huge lead in this game. It looked like it could be over. Uh, Pinder probably delivered the biggest hit of his life. A home run, four RBIs, uh, one run scored. Uh, Tampa Bay had a lot of fantasy standouts yesterday. They did well. Aledmus Diaz had a home run, two RBIs. Kevin Kiermeyer, two hits, a home run, three RBIs as well. Randy Rosarina, another home run, and three more hits for him, an RBI and a run scored. He's he's having the postseason of a lifetime, clearly. Michael Perez, also their backup catcher, two hits, a home run, three RBIs, and a run scored. And John Carlos Stanton just continues to love San Diego. If they could ever get any good pitching, this guy would have been the hero of this <laughs> series. But unfortunately, it doesn't really matter because the Yankees are just getting it handed to them by Tampa Bay. Simply put, one of the reasons why the Rays are in this position to potentially clinch the division series is a young kid by the name of Randy Arozarena, who the Rays acquired from the St. Louis Cardinals, a 25-year-old sort of former prospect who, at, at least for the time being, the Rays have basically dubbed their MVP of the postseason. It's who he's been, and their manager, Kevin Cash, was asked last night if he's ever seen a player in his lifetime as hot as this player in the playoffs right now i don't think so no we willie asked me during the during the um the game after the home run uh i i don't recall one i'm sure there's been some guys that have done some special things but when you're sitting there uh and watching it firsthand it's pretty remarkable what's taking place yeah, and, and it's really interesting because he'll be someone that'll be in a lot of the conversations for next year, Joe, in fantasy baseball. And the one comparison, it's interesting that that somebody mentioned to me the other day, and it's a really fair comparison because it's it's more or less out of nowhere, unexpected, and a lot of outcome, and you don't know what it is in a small sample, is Aquino on Cincinnati. 
And there's no reason to believe that a Rosarina will be better or worse than Aquino. We just don't know. Uh, Aquino was hitting the ball harder than anybody in Major League Baseball over a one-month period, and a Rosarina is hitting the ball harder than anybody in baseball over a one-month period. He was an unheralded prospect with the St. Louis Cardinals. The Rays always seem to find the best in players. I get that. But he's going to be a polarizing topic, I think, moving forward. And and in order for the Rays to win the World Series, Joe, this guy is probably going to have to keep doing what he's doing because even in the games where they don't score a lot of runs, he has been the guy. His OPS is over 2,000 in the postseason. Yeah, and look, he is still just 25 years old, so he's not super old. In terms of talent evaluation, we've seen this before, where players who are either blocked or, or players who maybe fall out of favor with an organization get on to somewhere else and end up becoming very good. I, I take slight umbrage with the Aquino comparison because when you look at the minor league track record of somebody like Aristides Aquino, there is a whole lot of swing and miss, a whole lot of question marks, and then all of a sudden things start to pop a little bit, and then you know all of a sudden he has that good stretch run and then fell apart. Let's not forget he did fall apart at the end of last year after he did have that run. So as good as that run was, it did kind of go by the wayside. Same thing with Austin Riley. He had a great run, then kind of fell apart. When you look back at Aquino, I mean, uh, excuse me, Rosarena's numbers, pardon me, this is a guy on 850 OPS in the minor leagues. This is a guy who hit almost 280. This is a guy who had some pretty good numbers, almost a 478 slugging percentage over his minor league career. So this is a player who has a little bit of talent, obviously, and maybe it was just that kind of player. Maybe it was some other things. Who knows? You know and I know. Sometimes there's extracurricular things that sometimes suppress a guy's value within a system. But for whatever reason, we're getting a great performance out of him right now. And I, for one, am always scared to overrate players based off a of postseason because it is a small sample size. However, we also had the entire month of September before the postseason where Rosarena was very good. So this is longer than just a week or two in a postseason where you go, oh, look at this guy. It's going to be so great. And it's on the big stage. And the next year it gets overrated. To me, he had a little bit more of a track record than people realize. And you go back and you look at these September numbers. Now, September is only one month. Aquino also had basically only one good month. There's going to be a lot of buzz about him, but there's also going to be a lot of risk and a lot of upside going into next year. What I see in the minor league track record in terms of the kind of player he is just from a stats profile-wise, I have more faith in him than I ever would have in Aquino going forward. And I think hitting in the middle of that order is always a big positive as well for his potential value. Yeah, it is really interesting uh, for me to see what what is going to happen with a player like this. Because again, he didn't even start off playing with them in September. He only played in 23 games. He came up after the first week. And and again, it's not to say that the Cardinals don't make mistakes, because clearly you're seeing a lot of Cardinals right now who are playing in the postseason who they essentially gave up on and, and have really turned their careers around. So uh, we'll just have to see, but it's a polarizing figure, no doubt, going into the 2021 season. And look, we still will get another three weeks of at-bats from Rosarena against some really good pitching, and we'll see how he does. But thus far, he's been the story of the entire 2020 you know, one, one quick note yeah. about Rosarena, too. I always feel like, and this is something I always talk about in the Black Book series, double-A numbers are the best gauge of whether or not you think a player has what it takes to be good at the major league level, right? And you know, triple-A, you get some retreads, you get some PCL numbers, you get a lot of weird stuff. But double-A is where that raw talent is. And if guys excel in that area, now over that stretch of games, he had over 1,000 OPS a couple years ago. Uh, in 2018 at double a with the cardinals organization now i know it wasn't a huge sample size but still that to me screams of a player who has some talent and i always look at those double a numbers first and foremost that's what my always goes to and you know what more often than not i'm proven right by the double a numbers more than the triple a or anything else all right let's move on to the national league division series and let's look at uh some of the hitters who 
performed at a high level yesterday. Travis Darno, another home run for the Atlanta Braves, and of course, also scored a run, got a hit. Uh, Ian Anderson was really good again for the Atlanta Braves. He's had a great end of the season, great postseason, and if the Braves advance, he'll definitely be on the mound for their second game, maybe even on the mound for their first game. He's been better than Max Fried. Corey Seager with three hits, two RBIs, two runs, and a stolen base, and of course, uh, Max Muncy with a couple of hits, two RBIs, but Cody Bellinger stole the show, no doubt, with his bat. And also with his glove, as he went over the wall to catch and basically steal a home run away for uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. It was one of the great moments that we've seen in any postseason game. And on the mound in that one was Bruce Dog Gratterall. And as soon as Bellinger caught the ball and brought it back in, Gratterall looked like he won game seven of the World Series. He was super excited. <laughs> and why shouldn't he be? Uh, but the Padres didn't really like that. And then, of course, there was some jawing back and forth. And Bellinger was asked after the game, about Gratterall's celebration. My thought, I, they asked me out there, I honestly don't know what happened. I don't know what Bruce Dar Gratterall did, um, but it's a big play in a postseason game, so um, I got Gratterall's back. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, it's so, it's so wild because the Padres are such a great celebrating team. It's like everybody has an issue with everybody. Everybody has oh an issue with everybody, I guess. They're so. supposed to be the mayor of Funville. I thought Tatis and all these guys were take the unwritten rules and crumple them up and throw them out. Nobody needs rules. We're having fun. We're flipping bats. We got crazy hair. Look at us. And now somebody gets excited on the other team. Well, I don't like that very much. No, it's a big load of crap. Stop it. it look, this is supposed to be fun. I think I think it was Tyler Glass now the other night in his post-game conference. He said, this kind of feels like we're all just in the sandlot playing against each other. And, and I kind of feel like he's right. I feel like that's the feel. And it gets very emotional in this. Like, there's no crowd. There's no one else. You're just out there with your boys playing against that other team that you don't like. And I feel like that is the feel of what's going on. But the Padres have a lot of nerve getting mad about somebody else on the other side celebrating. Sorry, bro. You are the kings of celebration. Let us not be the pot in the kettle here because that is just nuts, man. Yeah, a lot of fun these games have been for sure. Uh, that Dodgers-Padres yeah. game was the best one thus far. It, I mean, nothing's particularly close, and it kept me up too late watching that game yesterday. <laughs> All right, coming up, coming up next, it's time for us to take a look at some of the lines in the NFL games this weekend. Again, we're dealing with a pretty limited slate at this point and, and also with COVID issues on a couple of the teams. But we're going to get into it next. We'll play a little game of is the wrong team favored. We do have three games where the line is under four, so it's reasonable to consider maybe one of the other options. And then, of course, simply put, if you're taking one of the other teams with a big spread, it's not about being favored. It's about just taking the big underdog. So we'll dive into that next here on Fantasy Sports Today. Make sure you stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today, SportsGrid, SportsGrid.com. That is the place to be each and every day and night. You can check out our shows here also on our YouTube channel as well as over on our website, SportsGrid.com. Uh, you can catch us talking about the games as they happen on In Game Live. I was watching that 
while the Dodgers and Padres were going on and watching those guys go back and forth and reactions was pretty funny to that. Uh, let's let's go through some of the games this weekend. Now, this is a segment that we call the is the wrong team favored. And usually for this, you're looking at lines of one or two or three, and you sometimes can stretch it to four. But given the nature of the bye weeks in the NFL, and also given the nature of the potential cancellation of or, or postponement, at least of one game, maybe two, although there is now a line uh, with the New England Patriots and Denver Broncos that popped up today, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's 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 kind of, I would say, a little difficult to just point at teams and say, yeah, like a team is minus 13 or minus seven and they shouldn't be favored. So... For objectivity purposes, we're going to review three games here on the board for the weekend, and it's not normal to have a game like this on a Thursday night, but this is sort of the, the choice that we're faced with tonight, so let's take a look at it. We have the Buccaneers taking on the Chicago Bears. The line opened up at five, five and a half, went down to four. I'm seeing on FanDuel some three and a halfs, and so that's what we're going to use for the purposes of this today. Joe, the Buccaneers undermanned for sure going into this game offensively. The Bears have been a little bit of a paper 3-0, and but they are at home. Is the wrong team favorite in this game? They're a lot of bit of a paper 3-1. and I mean, I, I think that's the big thing here. And I think the reason you've seen the line move is because of the health of the Bucs. But, you know, you've got Tom Brady. You've got a really good defense against the run. So they're going to shut down David Montgomery. This is a really tough assignment here, back-to-back weeks for Montgomery. I know people started to say, oh, look, he's starting to look better. You know, Tariq Cohen's out now for the year. He's going to have the backfield all to himself. And then what happens? He gets the Colts and then the Bucks defense back-to-back weeks so this becomes a fascinating period that you can certainly buy low in your season-long leagues on David Montgomery if you are inclined to think that he is going to have a decent uh rest of the season because these last two games not the best matchups for him so if you stop Montgomery you're basically making Nick Foles beat you and yeah Alan Robinson's pretty darn good I will give him that but I just don't see it. I mean, even with the limited weapons last week, it's it's very imperative, obviously, that Mike Evans is healthy for this game. It seems like he's going to be a bit of a game-time decision as we're talking now. Hopefully in the next hour or so we'll get a bigger update on that. Scotty Miller is going to play. Fournette is not. But I think just with Jones, Miller, Evans, and Tom Brady, I think that's enough to get the job done personally. And again, that Bucks defense, I think, especially against the runs, much better than people realize, much better than people give them credit for. So, Craig, I don't think the wrong team is favored here despite the fact that they have the same record and one of these teams is on the road here and is the road favorite. What do you think about the Bears and Bucks? Yeah, I don't think the wrong team is favored either, but what I'm seeing with Tampa Bay is very similar to Dallas this year, where I would guess no matter what the Bucks' record is at the end of the year, they will be they will have a bad record against the spread because hmm. you are just paying a significant tax on Tom Brady for all of these games. Most people who bet the game last week, if you took Tampa Bay, you lost. Of course, they didn't cover in week one either. So, um, or week two, was it? So, I, I think that this is not a game that I like, but I would tell you that if you're betting on the Bucks, just be prepared to take some ATS losses here because because of Brady. And and again, you all, all you got to do is just put Winston in the lineup and ask yourself, what would the line be? Bears would be favored. Bears would be favored by a point or two in this game. And Brady, while he is he still can turn it on and still can be great, I mean, it's hard to believe that he's still the same guy now that he was ten years ago. And people were writing him off going into last week's game. Certainly, I wouldn't do that. Uh, so the wrong team is not favored. My line on this would be like even or Bucks minus one. 
you're paying a tax every time you bet with the Bucks with Tom Brady. And so it's not, not always the best proposition. Bucks is a dog at any point this year. I definitely would be interested in if they mm. get to that point. Okay, let's let's move on to a line that has changed significantly throughout the week. This is not a surprise. Uh, Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons opened up at three and a half. Now it's down to one and a half. Most spots you can even, uh, if you're taking Atlanta, you can get them at one. And I'll start off here. Uh, no, the wrong team is is not favored here. The Falcons should be favored. They are at home. You look at Carolina, you think that they're a much better team. They're playing much better, and I totally get all of those things. But uh, I, I want to go with a desperate team in this situation. And I think Carolina's played over their head a little bit. Now, if you told me Ridley and Julio Jones are both not involved in this game on Sunday, probably would change my opinion on that. And I know Julio looks to be questionable. I don't even know why they would play him in this game, honestly. You're 0-4 already. And and if I was Arthur Blank, I would just say, hey, just just hold him out, get him healthy for a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm not. I'm going to say the the right team is favored here, and and I'm going to say uh, no. The Falcons should be favored. I, the the line corrected itself. It shouldn't have been three. I think it's good where it is. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. We were talking about this uh, last night on the Wagering Podcast. I do and. You know, the three and a half, I think, or three or whatever it was going into uh, last night was clearly different. And you go, okay, wow. I mean, why are the Atlanta Falcons getting so much respect? And, you know, you, you talk about uh, a team that's back up against it. Well, they've been up against it the last few games. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, they have not responded at all. His defense is terrible. I would not be shocked if DJ Moore finally gets right to in this game. Uh, he's had a lot of opportunities, hasn't really cashed in on. He had a great season last year. It's been a lot of Robbie Anderson. But Mike Davis has been terrific. Uh, look, if Julio Jones is out of this game, then I, I'm starting to think that the wrong team is favored. But right now, if Calvin Ridley can get on the field at least, I can understand the one and a half favoring the home team there, favoring maybe some kind of respect here against a, a very youthful Carolina Panthers defense that has played better of late. I just want to say they have played better in the last two games. They've shown at least a penchant to show up in some big spots at the very least. And I don't know, man. I just have a hard time thinking the Falcons are going to win any football game this year the way they play defense. And and that is just sad because this, going into the season, you got to circle this as a W. And the fact that it's as close as it is, is practically a pick em at this point, tells you everything you need to know about the Falcons. And you're right, they should sit Julio Jones out. They should get him healthy because they got only a couple weeks left to go before the trade deadline. And guess what? He's going to be one of the biggest potential pieces out there, and we've seen a lot bigger pieces move in the last three years in the NFL. The trade deadline has been much more active than it was five, six, seven, eight years ago. Now a guy like Julio Jones could absolutely get dealt and really help a team. Yeah, the, the Falcons did this last year too, so uh, you can. It's it's not as simple as just going off last year, but I, I think that they are not a eight-win team, but I don't think that they're as bad as they've played. And I, and I think Carolina has played over their head a little bit. And I think and, – and again, this may be one of the picks that, that we use in the Super Contest this week. At least we're considering that. Okay, and then finally, let's get to one of the later games. You have the Indianapolis Colts, who have really turned it around after a really rough week one. They, they certainly figured out how to run their offense, and, and they can play defense for sure at the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns are off to a really good start this season for sure. But the line right now favors the Colts. Colts about minus one and a half, maybe two in some spots. I've seen some twos at Cleveland, Joe. So we'll end with this one. Is the wrong team favored in this game? I think the right team is favored. I think the Colts should be favored because that defense is that good. Uh, the offense is that bad also. Jonathan Taylor is getting all of the carries, but it's so funny. You go back and look at the week one game log. 
There's Marlon Mack playing. There's Naeem Hines running amok. And then there's Jonathan Taylor catching the football. Ever since, we've lost Marlon Mack. Naheem Hines is nowhere to be found. Jonathan Taylor can't get a catch to save his life. I don't know what's going on and how this offense has changed in the last three weeks into what it is now in week five, but this is where we are right now. And the Browns are coming off a huge emotional victory, and I think they absolutely have a chance to win this game. Where I struggle with the Browns always at the end of the day is Baker Mayfield making reckless throws and turning over the football in bad spots. And I just think you can ill afford to do that against the Indianapolis Colts defense. They're going to be ready. They're going to be prepared. Hopefully Leonard is healthy enough to play too. keep an eye on that situation. But I mean, the way the Colts defense has been playing, it's hard not to favor them pretty much, even on the road against the Browns. It would not shock me if the Browns won this football game, though. Do you think that the Browns should be favored coming off that huge win? And uh, again, it's a huge win, but also a huge loss of Nick Chubb at the same time for that team. I mean, look, they have Kareem Hunt. I'm shocked the line isn't Cleveland minus 14, honestly, when I looked at this game. Um, you know, Hunt is the kind of guy that you just automatically give 14 points to the other team. Uh, but in this case in particular, I understand that they're just not going to, you know, just go with the Kareem Hunt train and they're going to actually put a real line on this game. So my opinion of this one is the wrong team is favored. I think Cleveland should be favored in this game. Doesn't necessarily mean that I think that they're going to win, but they've played well enough to earn some respect at home. And so when I made this line, I made the Browns a three-point favorite. That's a four-and-a-half-point swing there for me. So I may have even taken the Colts in that spot, taking the points, but what you need to do if you're setting lines, you got to make sure that you get enough action on both sides. And if you made the Browns a favorite in this one, everybody would take the Indianapolis Colts. So I understand the line. For me personally, it would have been the Browns being a favorite and then making the decision in terms of, of what I wanted to do. But I'll tell you this, uh, should not be a lot of this. This would be one of the very few games that you could go into in the NFL this week, Joe, and even look at an under in the NFL. You really can't even do that anymore. Anytime an under is, is uh, you know, in the mid-40s, you look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's, there's going to be 50 points scored in this game. But this one in particular is one where I could see a lot of running. But mm -hmm. uh, un unconversely, Colts have scored a defensive touchdown. Rivers is prone to picks. So is Baker Mayfield. You get those pick sixes, that total goes way over, and, and that could change it too. So that's the other side yeah. of it, that's for sure. And look, you're right. I mean, you know, as good as the seventh overall productivity running back in fantasy football is, you still have to favor the Colts in this game. Seventh. Just want to point that out. Seventh. No, no, you, def you definitely do. Look, not everybody can be RB 47 like Leonard Fournette. Some of them actually have to work out. <laughs> and I got him out. too, baby. A lot, And I'll take the heat on that one. All any the day chairs. Twice on All Sunday, the but chairs. You got to get All something right too. All the shares. All the shit. All the shit. <laughs> Okay, Andrew Erickson's going to join us next. We've got Odell Beckham Jr. And hey, Darius Johnson gets a mention coming up. So you want to make sure to tune into that. Got him in both leagues. I'm on that train now the rest of the year. We'll see how that goes. Uh, okay, so join us for that next. We'll also have our winner of the FanDuel Million coming up a little bit later in the show. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. It's a great Thursday afternoon. We talk some baseball, some football, and of course, basketball's back tomorrow. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Because here's why it's still on the pass. They got two Bills games in their pocket. The SportsGrid Network.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today, right here on Sports Grid. And it's Thursday, and that means it's time for a little past, present, and future with our good friend from Pro Football Focus, Andrew Erickson. Andrew, I hope it was a good week four for you, but again, it's week five. We got to turn the page very quickly over here on Sports Grid. So, uh, how was your week four, my friend? Yeah, week four was pretty good. I finally got to pay off for all the first round picks I spent on Joe Mixon this offseason. Yeah, so I was in too. a good spot. <laughs> <laughs> I never understood. I saw I'm sure you saw the same thing, which is all these people who are sitting Joe Mixon and people on the Internet and on, on Facebook and Twitter saying, oh, I'm so stupid. Yeah, you are so stupid. Why would you be sitting Joe Mixon? He's your number one pick. What kind of stupid person does that kind of thing? Why do people do this, Andrew? Why do they get so frustrated that they make awful decisions like this? Just, you know, people get frustrated and they think that, you know, I'm going to try to outsmart myself, but you got to, you got to just look at the touches and targets. You know, we all think that we can outsmart the system, but ultimately at the end of the day, you got to touch the football and that's usually the safest way to get fantasy points. That's right. You can't outthink the system, no matter how much you want to rage against the machine. So let's do a little past right now. And last week we talked about what happens if Odell Beckham and Landry or Endor or both go off in that game against Dallas. And well, Odell Beckham had a, a big game. Let's put it that way. Three touchdowns, huge day for him. You know, the schedule going forward is hit and miss. It's a little up, a little down. And during this season of COVID that we are in, is it better to hold a player like Odell Beckham and just say, hey, he's healthy? You know, no Nick Chubb for a couple of weeks. We'll get to that in a second. And maybe they're going to find more ways to just touch him in the football, make sure he's getting touches and make sure he's getting involved in the offense, kind of ride this hot wave. Or is this the time to sell high on Odell Beckham, in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's definitely the time to sell high on Odell Beckham. I had Odell Beckham before this game, and I traded him. I did get Joe Mixon back, though, so it, it, really, it even it evened out. So it was one of those things where you know both owners benefit, and, and that's the thing, guys. You, you can't just every trade can't be. Oh man, I just like totally robbed this guy. Nah, you gotta worst. have trades that you know help both parties. It doesn't make sense to just send, Hey, here's this crappy player for this, like stud that hasn't been doing that. Well, it or just, better yet. <laughs> here's, here's 12 crappy players for the best player on your team. Look, I found all these guys on the dollar waiver wire bin, and I want you to have them all. All you have to do is give me Dalvin cook. And the best is the essayist. Those are my favorite people. The people who have to write you a paragraph of why you should make this. Hey, look, Here's a little note to everybody out there. If you have to write a paragraph of why somebody should make a trade with you, you've already failed. You've already failed. They are not making this trade with you. But I would rather have Mixon going forward. And if that's kind of the cost of Odell, I think that's a no-brainer for me, Andrew. Yeah, so the thing with Odell is he's going to have – you know, up and down production, you know, a lot like a lot of other wide receivers, but he also has that name brand. So it does cost. He has a little bit more associated with him. He's like a higher drafted pick, but you know, his production is probably going to be a lot like Stefan Diggs was last year. You know, this is such a run heavy offense. And if he doesn't score touchdowns, that's you're going to be left empty. Essentially, again, Beckham is really good and they're finding ways to get him the ball. They had, he had a long rushing attempt, but, you know, they said on the broadcast, this was his best game as a Cleveland Brown, and it probably will be the best game. It's never a bad idea to sell a guy off his best game, probably of the season. So yeah. I think that I would be looking to trade Odell just to a team that, you know, passes the ball a little bit more. You're, you know, this week you have the Browns playing the Colts, the two, the two most run heavy teams going at it. So right. basically run, run, run a cloud of dust and Odell Beckham's <laughs> going to go with, you know, three catches for 30 yards. And they say, what happened to last week? And all those people who sat him last week, he had a huge game, by the way, don't sit anybody against the Cowboys. We'll get to more of that later on in the segment, but uh, let's talk one more pass because it looks like Bill O'Brien is in the past for the Houston Texans. Thank God 
Oh my goodness. What a, what a horrendous did that was this team's got $250 million of payroll, no draft picks and uh, a questionable supporting cast what he's left in his wake. But here's the question for you going forward. Now the bill Brian's gone. What are your expectations for Deshaun Watson and this offense? Because we all know that the beginning of the schedule was really tough for them. And it was going to get better as the season went on. It was a terrible draw that they had early on, but still, do you have expectations that now maybe without bill O'Brien things start to turn around a little bit, at least for the better from a fantasy standpoint, or are we basically kind of just stuck with what we have here, which is flip a coin on the good or bad fuller day. And maybe you get some volume with David Johnson. Yeah, I think that Deshaun Watson's in a good spot. You know, quarterbacks are so driven by the matchup. So I think that he's going to be just performing much better. He's just, you know, he's a good quarterback. So I expect them to pick things up in the passing game. You're not going to see Brandon Cooks just, you know, put up goose eggs. Not to say that I'm really high on Brandon Cooks, but he's going to be more involved going forward. I still like Will Fuller a lot. Yeah, David Johnson is really the big question mark here because you're not sure. Okay, Bill Bryan's the one that, you know, basically sold out to get him on the team, and now he's gone. So Mm. I think that Duke Johnson is really a good speculative pickup this week just to see how this plays out. Because if it goes out, it's like 50-50. It's like, okay, like Duke Johnson could be now a guy we actually legit start. Because we know how good Duke Johnson is when he gets the ball. Um, And who knows, maybe Romeo Cornell could be the guy that's like, you know what, Duke Johnson, we're going to unleash you. And we could see that for the first time. Yeah, that would be fascinating to see little Duke Johnson, the other D Johnson, step up got, in that void. We got three. D, we got three D Johnsons. Yeah, now. and we also have a <laughs> Ernest. So let's talk about him because there's two running backs right now presently that a lot of people picked up in their league. So let's do a little present. Let's talk about Ernest Johnson because that is definitely a hot name right now, and, and understandably so, as you said, nobody runs more than the Cleveland Browns, and this is going to be a game and probably the future for the next six weeks of them continuing to run the football. Now Kareem Hunt's going to get his, so maybe this workload is like sixty forty, but Let's start with Dearness uh, Johnson real quick here. Do you think this is a guy that is worthy of starting? Because as we all know, running backs seem to be dropping like flies at this point. Is he a flex for you at least this week going into not only this matchup, but maybe in the next month or so? Do you think this is a guy you can actually run out there with confidence? Yeah, I feel like this happens a lot with some of these running backs, these like second tier running backs that, you know, they have a good week. You know, it looks like they have more opportunity. And then the, the next narrative around them is like, oh, yeah, no, he'll be a flex play this week. And then they all just absolutely bomb. That's what happened <laughs> with Naheem Hines in week two. Yeah, uh, it happened with Joshua Kelly after he had a big week. It's like, oh, yeah, he's a flex play. And then he just sucked. So I, I think that we're probably jumping the gun a little bit on Dearness Johnson. You know, Dontra Hilliard is still there. He also they basically kind of split snaps 50 50 behind Kareem Hunt. And again, it's it's going to be the cream hunt show. It has to be that guy involved. And OK, if the Ernest Johnson gets a few carries here and there. OK, but what's the difference between that and like Frank or, you know, if you're just getting mm. carries, you're not seeing. Well, any I, I know the that. answer to that question. Seven hundred and forty two <laughs> years. That's the difference between him. <laughs> And Frank Gore, that's that's the difference. <laughs> so I just think that he, he's not involved in the passing game either. So, I mean, he, could he score a touchdown? Yeah, but I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Who will score touchdowns <laughs> in, in week five? <laughs> well, let's see if you feel a little bit better about Justin Jackson, because Joshua Kelly now with Austin Eckler out obviously is in line to get more work. However, the fumbles are an issue. And you and I both know you can take all the potential in the world. You could shove it. If you keep fumbling the football, coaches are not going to give you the ball. It's just the fact of life in the NFL. So with that being said, it's Justin Jackson, somebody that can be an effective flex play this week and for the foreseeable future here in this offense with the Chargers. Yeah, I definitely prefer Jackson over Dearness Johnson. So if either, you know, they're available on the waiver wire still, I would still prioritize Jackson. I think from a long-term outlook, I think that he has a better chance of, you know, totally, he could become the actual starter. You know, there's no way Dearness Johnson is going to, you know, overtake Kareem Hunt at any point. But but Justin Jackson, you know, we've seen him, you know, according to PFF rushing grade, you know, shout out to the company. But 
PFF rushing grades in 2019, Justin Jackson was number two overall. Mm -hmm. Again, small sample size, but still, he looked really good, and he's been banged up at the beginning of this year. So, yeah, Joshua Kelly's on a, a thin leash. He he's not mm -hmm. someone that they're locked into. You know, a fourth round pick. It's not a lot. Of, that's not a ton of draft capital. So, I, I anticipate them doing a 50-50 split. But considering Jackson is free right now, um, he's the guy I'm going to lean towards. All right, so let's do a little future switch gears. That was your past and your present. So uh, future Panthers versus Atlanta. Atlanta is winless on the year. Uh, Julio Jones is going to be a game time decision here. Are, are we going to go all in here on uh, Teddy B and the Panthers? Because it's starting to feel like between Robbie Anderson, who's you know grading out as a wide receiver one right now, whether people like to admit it or not. Or, um, you know, whether it be Mike Davis, who's been really consistent. I mean, he's seeing a third of stacked boxes and he still looks pretty decent out there. Teddy Bridgewater running around looking spry. Are we believing in the Panthers offense? Actually, I can't believe I'm saying these words without Christian McCaffrey right now, especially with this matchup against Atlanta. I think we really underestimated the amount of time that Teddy Bridgewater spent with the Jets you know, two years ago when Robbie Anderson was on the team before they traded him to the Saints because I don't know how they must have just bonded him and Robbie Anderson. <laughs> they they played just, video games together. They, they were hanging out in the just, hotel. For that, for that two-week period, they must have just totally connected because, yeah, Robbie Anderson has been lights out. He's been the number one wide receiver there. And, yeah, in this matchup, I, I will start Teddy Bridgewater over Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is showing us that he is a fraud, you know, elite quarterback. You, you look at Brady, you look Ooh. at Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that hurts they, my soul because I he, love the garbage time stats of Matt Ryan. How dare you? Look you? At, you look at Brady and Rodgers. Okay. Oh, no, Chris Godwin. Oh, five touchdowns. Oh, Aaron mm. Rodgers. Oh, no, Devontae Adams. Oh, no, Alan Lazard. Oh, it doesn't matter. I still get it done. Matt Ryan collapses, falls apart. He hasn't scored 13 fantasy points in the last two weeks because Julio has either not played or been limited. So Matt Ryan, again, I'm going to start Teddy Bridgewater straight up over him. He has better weapons. He's playing better. So, yeah, I mean, the Falcons, I heard this on another podcast, but, you know, if you're in a deep dynasty league or deep two quarterback league, maybe stash Matt Schaub because oh, <laughs> no. you found the only guy older than Frank Gore. I can't even believe Matt Schaub is still in a league. That's unbelievable. But uh, just, just no, no, don't. That's the only time in my whole life. I always say, don't listen to Andrew Erickson. There will be no Matt Schaub replacement of Matt Ryan. Uh, let's switch gears here. And then since we're making fun of the jets, we might as well just keep going and let's talk about uh, Le'Veon Bell coming back. And he gets the prize of playing with Joe Flacco this week. Woo, pump it up, baby. All right. So here we go. Le'Veon Bell. Uh, what are our expectations here? He's had a few weeks off. I am assuming our expectation at the very least is that he's healthy to play. But in your opinion, is he healthy enough to start in your fantasy league? That, my friend, with Joe Flacco is the caveat <laughs> being the major question. Yeah, so I think that Le'Veon Bell is on that RB2 territory this week. And it's because mm -hmm. if you look at Joe Flacco and what he did last year with the Broncos, he was the check down king. He, he peppered was. you. He made Royce Freeman a legitimate like running back. You could start in PPR leagues last year when he was starting because he was averaging you know 26% target share to the running backs. Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman were both averaging four targets per game. So you look at this Jets offense. They don't have really anyone to throw the ball to. Jameson Crowder is, you know, working with one hamstring and somehow went over 100 yards on Thursday night. I still don't know how it happened, but I think Le'Veon Bell's going to be involved enough. It was glorious because I have all the Crowder <laughs> in the world. That's all I can tell you. It was glorious. Le'Veon Bell's going to be involved enough in the passing game to, you know, be salvage a start in PPR formats. Again, Frank Gore can have as many carries as he wants. I don't really care. You know, they'll probably split carries 50-50, but Bell will get the targets, which is more than you can ask for from an RB2. 
All right. I know we have a couple minutes left, so let's ask this question because everybody and their mother has lit up the Dallas Cowboys defense. But, but the Giants, can the Giants offense do this? Because Daniel Jones, week one, 19 fantasy points ever since he's averaging 10. He's been the leading rusher on the team, basically, since Saquon Barkley's been out. So can the Giants show up against the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, geez, we saw what kind of offensive output the Browns put up last week on them. What about the Giants? Is this possible? This is the when a stoppable force meets a movable object situation. <laughs> so, but I'm going to go because something has to give. So I'm going to lean the Giants, Daniel Jones, Danny oh. Dimes. I think they get it done here. I think that the Giants have underrated skill players. I think Darius Slayton's pretty good. I like Darius Slayton this week. I like, I think Devontae Freeman is a sneaky start at running back. Again, this team got run over totally by the Browns. And Devontae Freeman has been has seen an uptick in usage. He's the starting running back. And if you can't start Defonte Freeman against the Cowboys, then why do you have him on your team? Like, well, I can agree like, with that statement. If he, like if, just, he, if he bottoms out this week, that you got to cut him. Yeah, you got to just. I mean, right. that's enough. I mean, at what point do you just not stop abusing yourself here? Uh, it's looking closer and closer. Like uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be playing in New York somewhere next year. Just uh, from these records of these two teams, uh, it's getting closer, which is good. That'll be a good box office for New York football. God knows we could use it here. All right, you can follow Andrew over on Twitter as always on Andrew Erickson underscore. You can also check out all of his great work at Pro Football Focus. Andrew, I appreciate your time, your energy, and uh, your insights as always. And uh, I know it's—I know we're only a couple weeks into the season here, but it's a marathon for us. But uh, you're doing a great job, and we appreciate it. So uh, go follow him on Twitter and go check out all his stuff. We'll be right back right here on Sports Grid with more fantasy sports today. Right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Our winner of the FanDuel Million is going to be with us in about 15 minutes here on SportsGrid, so you want to make sure you stay tuned to that. If you miss it, go back on demand and watch it at YouTube on our SportsGrid channel. Joe, let's close out this hour with a little bit of fantasy trivia. See if I can get, I think I got one right out of the last 10. We'll Did? see if I can go to. No, no, no. It's more like one of the last three, but you're on a roll more potentially here. Uh, it's uh, all right. Maybe more than that, but uh, I'm trying to be nice. So let's, let's see if we can continue to end the week on a high note here with this question. It's very important. Who has more rushing yards? in the year 2020 so far. And this is a little tricky here because one of these guys didn't even play last week. Was it Mark Ingram with the Baltimore Ravens? Was it Cam Newton of the New England Patriots? Or is it Gus Edwards of the Baltimore Ravens? Who has the most rushing yards in 2020? Does it matter? None of them have worth anything. Um, (laughs) Take a shot here and I'll say... I'll say Newton. I have no idea. Doesn't even matter. Newton. None of them done anything. Newton would be incorrect, Craig Mish. I am sorry. It is not Cam Newton. And guess what? It's not Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram has 148. Cam Newton at 149 still has more after missing a week than Mark Ingram. But wouldn't you know it, of all the folks, it turns out to be the Gus Bus at 167. How about that? Also, Gus Edwards also averaging six and a half yards per carry. And just putting that out there for teams that are looking for some running back help this week. He has been the most efficient 
We talked about yesterday's show that he has 33% in terms of seeing uh, eight men in a box, and he's still got the highest yards per carry of anybody against eight in a box. The Gus bus might be an option this week with a lot of fantasy triage going on and a lot of guys who might be out and looking for desperate running back picks. Chances are he's available. And I still say the Gus Edwards might, when all said and done, be the guy to own in this Baltimore backfield. And they could be up by a lot in this game potentially, too. That might also open up some more carries for him as the game goes on. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't have enough stones to do that this week. How many how many how many leagues you got Gus Edwards in? I got two. I just picked him up in two leagues yesterday, my friend, after doing these stats. How many leagues are you starting him in this week? Uh, one. Because <laughs> I absolutely have to. It was a bad season. Not enough. <laughs> Back with more fantasy sports today. Don't go. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.